What's up, guys? We are back. This is The Real Deal with Casey and Jason, where we talk real life, real experiences, and occasionally, and today especially, <laughs> real estate. What that's, is happening, dude? We are good. back. Good. Today is uh, Flannel Friday, t- Favorite Hat Friday, Favorite Shirt Friday. Let's go. <laughs> got the birds, got yep. the birds hoodie on over there. Yep. Even in the off season. So, um, number one, I just want to say thank you to my daughter, Clara, who's sitting right behind me. She's Let's producing go. today's show. Let's go, Clara. So we're going to get her on. We're going to do a quick episode with her next. Um, but thank you, Clara, for running the running the soundboard while Nick's out. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> All right. So she's listening in. Um, so, yeah. So today, uh, you know, we've done a couple handful of these episodes, right? Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Appreciate you liking, sharing, sending us messages, comments, all that good stuff. Um, and, you know, as you know, I'm in mortgages, Jason. Real estate. Real, real estate. estate. And, uh, you know, we say it every day in the intro, but we don't talk a ton about real estate. So we wanted to just kind of jump into some of that today. We're going to make this um, as interesting as, as possible. Sure. Because uh, here's the thing. We do work in real estate. People have a lot of questions when they go to buy a house. Like a lot of questions, yes, <laughs> right, and that's part of our job as a professional to answer them. Yeah, so I'm making notes right now. Just uh, you, know, you had mentioned things that people ask all the time, or like common misconceptions. I think that um, would be helpful for for people to understand. Yep. So before we jump into it, let me just hit a couple things that we're going to touch on. Um, we're going to start kind of state of the market, what's going on there. We're going to hit some frequently asked questions which we, we're gonna answer for you. And if you have any more, please submit them to us. We would love to hear what you're wondering as you're listening to this, or if there's something we didn't cover that you wanna hear more about. Obviously, we're always available to answer that, but um, you know, certainly would like to, to do that. Uh, we also wanna share just our personal experiences with real estate, because we do both own homes. And um, I think it's important that we talk about that aspect of it, not only a home that we live in, but also the, the potential of Using that real estate for wealth creation, cash flow, all those things. Yep. Is Claire doing all right? Claire's doing great. All right, awesome. <laughs> I can't see her because I'm facing towards this way. So, if uh, Claire, if you need anything, just give us a hand signal. So to start off, I guess um, current state of the market. What's your take here? So where are we with this thing? There, well, um, there is no inventory out there whatsoever. Okay, so very light on houses available for everyone that's you know kind of tuning in. Yeah, and there's. There's quite a few buyers in the market, um, as you know, and I usually go to you for this information. Interest rates are are higher than they were in um, you know early 2022 and back into 2021, obviously. But it doesn't seem to have deterred as many buyers as I expected. To be honest, I still have a fair amount of buyers um, that are in the market looking for a home, serious buyers. But the main problem is is inventory and. Until we, you know, maybe hit the spring market and get an influx of houses, it's it's going to be some pretty high competition out there if you're a buyer. Yep, seeing multiple offers again, things like that. Yeah, when houses are priced appropriately, when the seller's done a really good job uh, preparing the house, and when the agent positions it well. Yeah, and you know, on the rate side of things, obviously it's in the news everywhere. I deal with it every day. You deal with it on the real estate side, not directly, but but pretty directly. Yeah. Um, and I tell everyone the same thing with rates. I'm like there's only three options with interest rates. They're either gonna keep going up, right? So they're gonna keep climbing. In that case, you'll be glad you bought when you did. Yeah. They're gonna stay exactly the same, which we know is not gonna happen, but let's just say it does stay exactly the same. In that case, it doesn't really matter when you bought, right? If they're gonna stay exactly the same or they're gonna drop. And when they drop, just like in 2020, 2021, 
um, you, every, everyone who has a higher rate is going to refinance and lower the rate on their loan. Mm-hmm. So if you're scared about interest rates and you're trying to time the market, um, you know, you, you, you really can't time the market. It's one of those things. It's like you, you would love to be able to say, like, I'm going to I'm going to buy low, sell high. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to refinance at the bottom. I'm not going to buy at the top. But the thing is, when we're looking at that, we don't ever know where the bottom is or where the top is. Right. Just like with values of homes, you know, they're going to fluctuate over time. It's going to happen. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I would say, current state of the market. <laughs> Got Claire moving in here to get her <laughs> dipping dots. Um, frequently asked questions. Let's kind of dive into these because there's a couple things that I've noticed I get. I mean, I could almost tell you just doing this for the past six, seven years, like, when I meet with a first time home buyer or I meet with any buyer, I know the questions that are gonna come up. Yep. And part of what we do and being the professionals that we are is we wanna try to answer these questions maybe before they come up. So what are the couple of the things? Why don't you start and I have a couple that I'll throw in. Yeah, the main one is, you know, look, I'm a first time home buyer. What, you know, everybody hears about, you know, programs and whatnot, you know, what do I get for being a first time home buyer? Well, in Maryland, uh, you could have purchased a house in Delaware. You could have purchased a house anywhere else, but if it's your first home purchase in Maryland, you get a little bit of a transfer tax break, which is part of your closing costs. Yep. So the state of Maryland imposes a transfer tax, you know, is uh, part of a way for them to collect revenue, you know, during the home transfer process. But if you're a first time home buyer, uh, that portion of the transfer tax gets waived. So depending on the price of the house, because it's a percentage of that price, you stand to save um, some closing costs, which is, it's not, I mean, that's cash out of pocket, um, which is which is great. Yep, and that's if you're a first time home buyer in Maryland and you're buying a primary residence. Yep, primary residence. Yep, and um, the transfer tax too, I tell everyone, I kind of explain it like, think about when you buy anything, you get taxed on it, right? Mm-hmm. When you buy a car, you get taxed on it. When you buy anything, you get taxed on it. Well, the transfer tax is the tax that the state and county imposes when you transfer a property from someone else's name, the seller, into your name as the buyer. Yeah. So yes, you do get that. And I get that question all the time too. Like, do you, do you offer first time home buyers? And I'm like, I help a lot of first time home buyers. <laughs> first time home buyers in itself is not a, a loan program. It's not a, a loan type. Um, but there's, you know, I think from probably maybe the time that we were getting to the age of buying houses, there was, there used to be a lot of grants and things like that. Yeah. So if you were a first time home buyer, you could get a grant from the state, would cover all your down payment, it would cover closing costs. Those programs aren't out there anymore. Now, is that uh, like a second mortgage when you say grant? The grants actually were forgivable yeah. back okay. in the day. And I'm going back to 2008, 2009-ish. Gotcha. Um, that time frame, there was like grants that you would apply for. And, and there might still be some you know stragglers out there. But for the most part, if, you are, if you're thinking first-time homebuyers is down payment assistance, closing cost assistance, a lot of times now through the Maryland Mortgage Program, through the different programs that we do have access to, it's actually a second mortgage that gets attached to your house. Generally, you're gonna have, and, and 90% of the time, you're gonna have a higher rate on your first mortgage. And then, it, you know, again, it's a second mortgage that you end up paying back. Right. Um, some of them are what's called a silent second, so you don't make payments on it, but if you ever move from that house, if you ever rent it, if you sell it or you refinance it, you have to pay that, yeah, that money back. That comes due, right. Yep, so what I advise any any first-time home buyer, um, you know, if I was doing a loan for family, which I've done a, a lot of them too, but I, I treat everyone like that. If I was doing a loan for a family member, I would not recommend the down payment assistance route. If you can 
get a gift from family for down payment, or if you can use like we have here in Cecil County, the USDA loan, yep. 100% financing, then you only have to cover closing costs and you might even be able to get the seller to contribute towards that. Yeah, and um, you know, we also get, at least I get questions about um, seller help, seller concessions, right? Yep. Closing costs and um, things like that. Those things do happen. They have, they're, they're less likely right now because there's so little inventory and so many people fighting over the same house that sure, you can ask for that stuff, but it's unlikely that you get it. Now, when you get houses that sit on the market, you know, for 14, 28, you know, days plus, that's when those things tend to come into play. It's yeah. not that you, it, it's not that you can't write an offer. Like I'll, I'll tell all of my clients, look, we'll put in writing whatever you want. I'm just going to, but I'm always going to relay what I expect to happen, you know, based on the state of the market. Yep. Uh, that's not going to preclude anybody from asking for it. But when you get into those houses that are really competitive situations, that stuff becomes less likely. Yep. And for a first time home buyer out there or somebody that's not familiar, the seller concessions, the seller help, think of it like if closing costs are, let's use a round number of 10,000 just because it's a round number, um, you can ask the seller to contribute a certain percentage of the purchase price towards that 10,000. Mm -hmm. So you might say, um, hey, we like the house, we wanna put our offer in, but we want $5,000 back in seller concessions. And that's a direct, comes off of your bottom line as the buyer, and it comes off the seller's bottom line as right. the seller. Yeah, less proceeds that they receive. Yep. Right, and less class, less cash to close for you yep. as a buyer. So good for the buyer, but again, when it's as competitive as it is now, it, it's it's a hard ask, you know, and I always defer to, to you or whoever the realtor are. I'm like, look, they're the expert, they know the market. Right. You know, defer to them because they're gonna give you the best advice on, hey, we wanna get you this house if you want the house. We don't wanna ask for too much and price ourselves out of this thing. And then one of the other questions that I get from buyers is, what do I owe you? You don't owe me anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's a common misconception that buyers pay their realtors. They don't. I mean, buyers have costs in transfer taxes and um, title fees and things like that. Inspection costs you know, during the process and you put down an earnest money deposit and things like that. But as far as at least, you know, for me and, and my brokerage, uh, you don't owe me anything. So that's. That's usually like a buyers kind of look at me with um, heads turned sometimes when they ask that question. I'm like, you don't want me anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and I get the same question. A lot of times I'll do a pre-approval and then I'll have like, are you going to send me an invoice or like, how do I pay you? And I'm like, no, you, you don't pay me. We're good. My company pays <laughs> me. The house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on the mortgage side, that's a good point. On the mortgage side, I get paid from my company for f funded loans that I have. Mm -hmm. So I don't get paid anything, I'm 100% commission, I don't get paid anything until a loan closes, and then my company pays me a certain set percentage of loan amounts that I close during the month. Right. Um, and for you guys, you get paid by the seller. Yeah, most of the time. There are, there are I've actually been paid by the buyer before. It's, it's in pretty rare instances where typically the house is a for sale by owner. Yep. Or they're using a, a what I would consider like an internet brokerage where there's no real listing agent present. It's just they kind of pay a flat fee to a brokerage to get it on the MLS. Yep. And if there's a situation where, um, you know, that seller doesn't want to pay or whatnot every now and then, um, it's pretty rare, but a buyer will um, pay commission. But yes, the seller will pay both the listing agent and the buyer's agent if there is one. Yep. And basically, if you do say you do a situation where you're working for the buyer and they do pay you, they're paying you to write the contract, mm -hmm. line up inspections, yep. 
um, negotiate between the seller and them, um, set up the title work, make sure that everything takes place throughout the transaction, yep. keeps them out of the the hot seat, so to speak. Some people yeah. like negotiating directly with a seller. And if you know, if you kind of like that thing, maybe, you know, but but it does help to have a realtor involved to make sure that all that stuff yeah, goes for smoothly sure. for sure. and have that experience. Um, another question I get a lot is how much money do I need down? Yeah. So the initial thing I, well, and I also get this, so this goes hand in hand, but like how much am I pre-approved for and how much do I need down? And there's these um, different misconceptions out there that you need 20% down to buy a house. And I know where that comes from. And that comes from a lot of time prior generations. Yep. And you do need 20% down if you want to avoid all types of mortgage insurance. However, I would say 95% of the loans that we do for purchases um, they, they don't, nobody puts 20% down right. very rarely. And you know, you can do as little as zero down in a USDA loan. You can do a conventional with 3% down FHA, which stands for, um, not first time home buyer, <laughs> but it's another government backed loan. Um, you can do them with three and a half percent down. I think that's most people don't know that you can do a conventional loan with as little as 3% down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've talked to buyers and they're like, I thought that was 20, you know, do you, you just always right. hear 20% down conventional, 20% down conventional. Yeah. Like nowadays you can do three, five, 10, you kind of three is the minimum, I think. Yeah. Right? Depending on what debt to income and credit and that to I me, mean, that's your arena, but yeah. Yeah. So 3% down, if you're a first time home buyer, you can always do 3% down. And then uh, even if you're a repeat home buyer, you can do 3% down as long as your income falls below a certain limit. Gotcha. And that's determined by the county area median income. Nothing you have to worry about if you're listing out there, I'll take care of that. But um, you can do a 5% down conventional loan regardless. And, and we're talking primary residence here, not if you're buying like an investment property. Yeah. Um, investment properties, you're gonna need more like 20% down. Yeah. So um, any other frequently asked questions that you get that you wanna throw out there? Um, maybe not a frequently asked question, but well, I guess in some sense, where do I start? And I always say with a lender, right? I mean, you can come to me all day long and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you, you know, after we have our conversation about how everything works and what you're looking for. Okay. Now go to go see Casey, you know, go see whoever, um, yep. because that lender is really, I mean, we're not going to write an offer if we don't have a pre-qualification. We can't. Yeah. Um, unless you have uh, cash and proof of funds, which is completely fine too. Yep. So a good segue into the whole process, right? Yeah. So somebody's out there and they're like, hey, I've never bought a house or maybe I have, but it's been a while. What's the process? Step one, get pre-approved. Get pre-approved. And that is basically, uh, it's a simple process, pretty painless. It sounds kind of maybe technical, but it's really not. That's just where we look at your credit score, your income, your assets really those three things. And that determines, can we get you approved for a loan? And, um, you know, again, I get this question, how much am I pre-approved for? Mm -hmm. Well, that number is usually going to be a lot higher than what you want to have as a monthly payment. So I kind of work backwards. I tell everyone, instead of pre-approving you for the maximum amount, like you are going to get, if you go onto, you know, whatever online lender, that's going to just spit out a number for you. Um, I'm going to start with what's a payment that you're comfortable with. How much money do you have to work with? Are you getting a gift, pulling from retirement? And using those two things, I can back into a sales price. And then I can tell your realtor, Jason or whoever else, um, hey, we need to focus in this price range because this is where the buyer wants to be. Right. Rather than what are you pre-approved for? A couple of questions that I get in relation to pre-approvals when people haven't talked talk to a lender first is how long is a pre-approval good for? Oh yeah, I get that one a lot. And I just lost the other one. So answer that one first. Okay. How long is a pre-approval good for? 
Um, technically, your pre-approval is good for as long as nothing changes. So your credit report will expire after 120 days. That means if you get pre-approved today and we pull your credit and you don't close on a house within 120 days, we're gonna have to re-pull a credit report. Not that big of a deal. Um, it's just basically getting the credit report refreshed. But I say until something changes because I've had people get pre-approved and then they quit their job or they lose their job or they miss a payment on a vehicle or get something repossessed or a collection hits their credit. Um, so your pre-approval is good for as long as everything with your credit, assets, income stays the same. Right. And I and the other day I got this one as well. How long does it take to get pre-approved. Yeah. I always say, you know, as quickly as you and the lender can work together. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So that, yeah, a lot of that's on, you know, obviously the lender that you work with and making sure that they're available, mm -hmm. right? But also um, a lot of it's on the buyer to make sure that, hey, we're gonna need your pay stubs, your W-2s to see what your income is. We'll need your bank statements. We'll need your credit report. So if, uh, I'll say it can be as quick as an hour, mm -hmm. but as, as quickly as, yeah, as quickly as a buyer wants to work, we. Well, you know, and I'll speak for our, ourselves, right? My company and me, as quickly as the buyer's willing to work with getting the stuff over. Um, but yeah, a lot of the onus does fall on the buyer. We yeah. need to see the pay stubs. We need to see the W-2s to calculate income so that we know how much we can get you approved for. Yeah. So that's, yeah, so that's step one. And uh, it sounds a lot scarier than it really is. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, when you work with someone that, that has done this for a while and knows what they're doing, they have a way to just make it flow very seamlessly. It's a quick, easy process. They're gonna answer all your questions and get that part done. Yeah. After you're pre-approved, the ball goes back into your court. Yep, and we may have already had this conversation with a buyer, but I'm gonna learn everything about where they wanna be, what kind of house they want, um, you know, what their time frame is, things along those lines. And so I'll kind of get some information, do some fact finding. Once I have that information, I'll usually plug it into our database and set up an auto email. So everything that fits the criteria that we talked about with the buyers and that fits into the realm of where they wanna be financially after talking to their lender, that will get shot to them <laughs> uh, every time a new listing comes on the market that fits their criteria. Got it. And so nowadays Zillow is pulling coming soon listings, realtor.com I think is pulling coming soon listings. So most of it is stuff that a buyer is already going to see, but this just gets sent directly to their email. It's like, oh, yep, let's go see this one. Got it. That kind of thing. And then what happens when they find their dream house, right? So a buyer's out there and they're like, this is the one, we've toured it, what's next? So we will sit down and we'll write an offer. And depending on, I'm licensed in Maryland and Delaware, depending on um, which state we're in, the offers can look slightly different, but generally we are going to discuss six major terms like is going to be the crux of the offer outside of a lot of uh, the other um, the, a lot of the the remaining contents of the uh, of the offer but the six main things offer price mm -hmm. earnest money deposit which we can talk about settlement date financing and inspections and then sixth one which is kind of wrapped into that financing is the appraisal and all these things for everyone out there are designed to protect the buyer yep. and protect their deposit. Yeah, for sure. Um, that earnest money deposit is good faith on the buyer's part that, you know, absent, you know, something going wrong in an inspection or a low appraisal where we can't come to a negotiation, 
you're not just going to walk away because you found a house that you like better or because you change know, your mind, change your mind and you know, whatever the case may be. If that happens, you lose that earnest money deposit, <laughs> which is usually about 1% of the offer price. So $300,000 house, you know, we're talking about $3,000 that you risk if you just change your mind. Yep. And just so, you know, everyone kind of understands the context of that, the seller holds your deposit. <clears throat> right, and your earnest money deposit, or the brokerage holds it. Yeah, typically it's it's going to be held by either the brokerage in Maryland, typically the buyer broker in Delaware, typically the listing broker, but it can also be held by um, title company or attorney. Got it. Yeah, and because I get this a lot too. Well, what happens if, like you just said, the inspection comes back and the house isn't what it appears to be? Right, right. we get a home inspector in there. Um, and you know, there's there's mold in the attic, or there's a leak in the basement, mm-hmm. or something's wrong. That contingency that you write as the agent into that contract protects the buyer's deposit. Yeah, and so the first thing that I want to say about inspections is none of that stuff happens until everybody agrees, and we have an, we put the house under contract first. Buyer yep. and seller agree on a purchase price and on a purchase and a price. All that stuff I just mentioned, yep. all of which can go back and forth a couple of times, but everybody, you know, however many times we want really can, those are all negotiable. But when everybody signs, that's really when the work begins. I think there's a misconception out there that you're going to get an inspection on a house before you put it under contract. Right. And that's not how it works. Yeah. So we'll get the house under contract. We'll order our inspections, which is an upfront cost to a buyer. Mm-hmm. So depending on the size of the house, you might be looking at five hundred to seven hundred dollars for a home inspection, which will you know be a three to four hour appointment typically with a home inspector. That you get to learn everything there is to learn about the house. It's great if you can be there as a buyer. I'll always be there as an agent, um, and obviously we we trust our home inspectors to uh, you know to do a great job. And so they'll go through, and after we're done, we'll get a big report back. I mean, depending on. What is found, it could be a pretty lengthy report, 50 pages maybe. Yeah. And I will sit down with the buyers and we will go after attack, right? The things that we think are issues. And typically we deal with things that are potential safety hazards or major concerns. Yep. And inspectors will categorize those things in the report. There'll be pictures, the whole deal. Um, So yeah, we'll submit a written request to that seller that says, hey, these six things are important to my buyers. We're going to ask that they be addressed prior to uh, moving forward you know, with the sale. Yep. So if the seller comes back and says, those are all reasonable, I was, you know, they, they may have known about them or they may have been expecting them and they agree to fix all six and they provide pictures, they provide, um, you know, scopes of work, invoices, the whole deal. Um, then we move forward. Um, if they say anything less than that, maybe they want to fix five or maybe they want to fix none, ball goes back to the, the buyers and the buyers can decide what they want to do. If they're comfortable moving forward, then we move forward. And if they decide it's not good enough and they want to walk away, they can retain that $3,000. They legally can get out of the contract yep. and then earnest money deposit comes back to them. Got it. <clears throat> and then simultaneously, while this whole process is going on with the home inspections, the appraisal, um, from the mortgage side, once you get a house under contract, your your mortgage company, uh, we're going to actually disclose the application out. You're going to docu-sign it. You're going to submit updated documents, so updated pay stubs, bank statements, W-2s if needed. Uh, we'll refresh that credit report if needed, and we're actually going to start the, the mortgage process, which 
you know, there's there's a lot that goes into this process, right? And we're only scratching the surface here because we only have 45 minutes or whatever, but there's a lot that goes into this process. And I just can't stress enough how important it is to work with a team, company, person that has a good reputation um, that's gonna, gonna take the ball and run with it. As a buyer, you really shouldn't have to stress about this stuff. You just kind of have to follow along with what um, your mortgage person, your realtor is, is, you know, telling you to do. And I tell everyone that I'm like, look, it's not your job to remember, remember everything I'm telling you. I'm just want to set the stage. We're going to be the ones responsible for following up, making sure we get the documents, making sure that everything is done that needs to be done and done on time. Yeah. So, um, after the, uh, mortgage process goes through, we get through all the inspections, the, you know, the financing, the appraisal, all that good stuff. The next step really is just going to closing on the loan, mm-hmm. which is when you get your keys. That's the picture everyone gets the glamour shot yeah. for uh, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You see everyone standing at the closing table with a big smile and holding their keys or up. the front door, you know, with a sign. Yeah. All yeah. That stuff. Are you a big uh, closing picture guy? I mean, I, I typically gauge the temperature of the buyers, you know, if they yeah. want one or not, but... I, I have not been traditionally. No. <laughs> I mean, I probably should be. Yeah. I, one thing I could, well, there's many things. That's one of the things I can improve on. Yeah. So <laughs> when COVID hit, like early 2020, mm. all the title companies, attorney's offices were like, no extra parties at closing. Yeah, we weren't even there. Yeah, we can't even have your agent here. It was like, if you're the buyer, you can sign by yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going to be away from the seller. Right. Because before that, it was kind of like a party in the room. You had the lender, the, you know, everybody was showing up, both agents, sellers, buyers, kids running around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that completely changed in 2020. So we weren't allowed to go to closings anymore. And I really haven't been to many closings since then. So yeah. even when they started letting people back in in, in 2021 and 2022, um, I just haven't gotten back in the habit of going. It was, you right. know, something I I'll also should probably do. But yeah, I mean, they were doing closings like drive-through closings like i during, had people close the the, COVID, yeah i had COVID. people close in the front yard yeah. where the title company drove to their house with a packet of papers walked it up and put it on like a little like table yeah. and they signed the papers in their front yard and then the title company the title agent came back out grabbed the papers wow yeah i mean just what a time to buy a house i mean wild right yeah. Um, but thank God we're past that, uh, at least for the time being, knocking on wood. And um, I should get back to closings because they are fun and, you know, you get the picture. That's what everyone wants, right? To be able to post the picture. It's yeah, like get the, the keys, uh, get the picture. And I mean, that's when uh, you find out, you know, we're, you, you know, in advance, but that's where everybody gets to see where the money goes. And um, you sign your, sign your mortgage, sign your, yeah, everybody likes to say sign your life away. Yeah, which, you get the old ha- the uh, the old I did a I did a thing I hashtag. Did a thing. <laughs> <laughs> like when people buy a vehicle or uh, or buy a house, <laughs> then you get to post that and make all your friends jealous. Yeah. Um, but you know, for us, it is it is good to to be there. I think we should definitely make it a point myself for sure to be there more because it it ties everything together. And well, you yeah, know. I was just going to say, I've had some some really, uh, honestly, emotional experiences at closing. I had somebody close not too long ago, a few months back, and she's like, she was literally in tears, and she's like, I've never, I've never lived in a house that even my family owned. Yeah. She's like, my, I, you know, lived with my grandmother in a house that she rented. I lived with my mom in many houses that she rented, and she was in uh, probably her forties. Yeah. And she was buying a house, and That's she crazy, was just, man. I mean, just so grateful. It, like stuff like that, man, is. Um, you know, it makes it all worth it. That's that is what 
you know, really drives me to do this. Yeah, definitely. You know? And there's many stories like that that I know you have. And yeah, I think we're, we're, we're going to help a friend buy buy his first house this year. Um, yeah, for sure. Someone who's, who's, uh, same, same kind of situation lived in a lot of different places and whatnot. And, uh, he, he's been texting both of us early at the beginning of the year that this is going to be the year that he does it. And it's how I'm cool. excited about that. How cool, man. Um, so we kind of covered the process briefly. We don't want to, again, drag this on too long and go too deep in the weeds. So, um, again, if you guys have questions, we're always available. You can get a hold of us through the YouTube, the the podcast channel. You probably have our Facebooks and all that stuff. So send us a message. But I want to just kind of tie this all together with a story about our personal homes and what that has been and what it's done for us and our you know families, finances, lives. Um, do you want to start? What year did you buy your house? Bought my house in 2016. 2016. So we're coming up. So what? Man, it's pretty It'll good. It'll be seven years in July yep. when I closed on it. And just for, uh, if you're cool sharing this, like yeah. what did you buy it for then? 180. 180. Yeah. It was a foreclosure in a neighborhood that I was familiar with. My dad lives in that neighborhood and I grew up, you know, going there all the time. And, you know, it wasn't my hometown, but it was just minutes away from it. And, yeah. you know, I went to high school right up the road and, you know, Middletown, growing into what it is now and what is still becoming. I just felt that it was really, it was an area I wanted to be in. Yeah. So that was most important to me. Yeah. It's just where it was. And what's the house worth now? 350. Wow. Yeah. So think about that in seven years, you mm-hmm. took a house that was worth 180. Now it's worth 350. And in that time, you know, everyone likes to talk about the equity that they have. Mm-hmm. And equity is just the difference between what you owe on the house and what it would sell for. Right. The thing about equity is it doesn't really do a lot of good unless you use it. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple ways you can use it. You can do a cash out refinance where you basically refinance your loan. You take out um, equity. I did that. And you did that, right? So <laughs> yeah. and, and you basically, you refinanced. I think you kept the payment about the same. And it you, was. It, bought a boat. And you bought a boat and walked away with a check as mm-hmm. well. So, um, you know, just one, one scenario there of like how you can access the equity. You can also do things like home equity lines of credit to access that equity. Did that too. Yeah. <laughs> and another great thing, and it's available, right? For for uh, whatever you need it for. So there's all kinds of things there. But like I said, equities, it's, it doesn't do you any good unless you either sell the house, which obviously once you sell the house, you don't have the equity anymore. You have the money or you use it for something. Um, our first house we bought in uh, 2013. So yeah. this is 10, we just actually, I guess we're coming up on, in April will be 10 years that we've owned that house. It's crazy. We lived there for six years. And then when we moved, uh, when my dad passed away, we moved in with my mom mm-hmm. to help her out and help get her house ready to sell. Um, we rented that house out. So we always wanted rental real estate. That was part, yeah. of our, uh, our, part of our plan from the beginning. We didn't really have a plan for obtaining it. And then it just kind of happened that we had to move. We didn't want to sell the house because we thought we might go back there. And we ended up renting it out. So we bought the house for uh, 210. We lived in it for six years. We've rented it for the last four years. Um, and we make, you know, some cash flow every month. It's not like it's it's not enough to retire on by any means, yeah. but we have some cash flow coming in. And now that house is also probably worth in the 380 range. Yeah. So that's it's awesome, darn near doubled in value yep. in 10 years. So that's the thing with real estate. It's like, don't wait to buy buy and then wait because it will go up in value mm-hmm. when we look at the, the history there. Um, we've also, we, we did end up buying another rental property um, that we've we've 
working on the process of selling it now. And then we're going to take some of that equity and roll it into something else, another yeah. investment, maybe maybe a nice big old house with some acreage. Yeah, maybe. You never know. You never know what's going to happen next. But um, it's just cool to see. <laughs> it's... It's cool to see like what the, uh, you know, the, the other, like everyone thinks of owning real estate, right? And I think you think of moving into your house mm-hmm. and that's awesome. There's no feeling like pulling up to your own house and, you know, just the pride of ownership you get there. You know, the fact that you can have a dog, like that's a big thing for a lot of people that yeah. are renting. Like yep. just the fact that they can bring their dog home, you can, um, you can upgrade it. You can, you can paint things, you can replace things, you can make it your own. Make it your own. Yep. But the side aspect that is so important is that it can it can create wealth for you if you if you do it in that way. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, I just wanted to share those personal stories so that you guys know. Maybe you know, just get the wheels turning for you on how to how to use your real estate to uh, to be more than just a place you live. Use it as an investment as well. Yeah, and I, I just want to reiterate that uh, what Casey said as far as the home buying process. If you just if you have an agent and a lender that you can trust. It's not one of those things where it all falls on your shoulders. Yeah, um, we're going to make sure that you know all of those things that are supposed to happen happen. We're going to educate you along the way, and we're going to make sure that all those timelines are met. I mean, it's I, I I've sat down with a lot of buyers recently, and I'm just just sitting in front of them. I say, you guys are going to understand this perfectly as it happens. Like it's yeah. all going to make sense. Like I lay it out, and they kind of look at me, and um, I'm like, you know, as we do these things. You're gonna be like, oh, that makes sense. I get that. Like, yeah. And you know, ask questions, mm-hmm. right? But don't, you know, try not to get so stressed out because it's our job as realtors and lenders you know, to make the, these things happen. Yep. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, any final thoughts on this? When we talk in our occasional real estate, any final thoughts? Things you want to throw in? I think, like you said, it's uh, time in the market's impossible. So you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold off. I mean, I understand that rates have gotten higher. I understand why people feel the way that they feel, but we, we don't know what the future is going to bring. So if you're in the market to buy, I wouldn't let um, interest rates scare you away. If you have something to sell, it's a really good time. Yeah. Great time to sell. Yeah. <clears throat> if you do have something, you can get it sold quick for, you know, I don't want to say top dollar because we don't know what the top of the market is, but, but for a good value right yeah, now, for sure. Definitely. Um, I just want to throw one more thing out there. It said, start early. You know, we talked about this actually on last week's episode, but if you're thinking about buying a house and you just don't, maybe the timing's not right for you for whatever reason, still start early. It does not hurt to get your ducks in a row. You're going to learn so much just by going through the process of getting pre-approved, talking to a realtor, getting some of those searches set up. So start early. Um, don't feel like pressured to buy right away, but start the process early because it's going to show you a lot. You're going to learn a lot getting ready. Yeah, and, and especially with your side of things, like it, people can text you and like they don't you don't need to meet with anybody in person. Mm-mm. I mean, and I don't either, but a lot of people want to sit down with realtors. Um, but as far as just like ease of things and like limiting friction, like it's super easy to get pre-approved. You don't need to, it's nothing too, too formal about it. No, it's really not. So don't like put a, it off for that reason. Yeah, exactly. And it's not no pressure either. Like people think they're under the gun or like a certain time frame. How long is mm-hmm. my pre-approval good? I got to yeah. find a house in two months, but as long as nothing changes, I've had people pre-approved literally for years. Yeah, two, three years go by, and they kind of are in the market and out, and then they end up finding something and putting an offer in and closing. So, start early. Uh, let us know what questions you have. Let us know your comments, feedback. Do you guys want to hear more real estate? Less about real estate? <laughs> Do you have questions <laughs> we didn't answer? Um, please let us know. Um, man, 
All right, that flew by though. But yeah. until next time, please like, share, subscribe, all that stuff, guys. It really does mean a lot because the more that you do that, the more it kind of, uh, this podcast is heard by more people. Yep. And if you know anybody that's jumping in the market, please share this with them. They'll learn something or put them in touch with us. We'd be happy to help them out. Yeah, man. All right, until next time. See ya. See ya.